Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, you know, your prayer just needs to be a little slower so it gives me time to set up. I mean, you, you know, just pray longer, slower. Um, hey, thanks for coming today. Merry Christmas, everybody. That wasn't everybody. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for coming on out. Uh, man, next week's going to be awesome. Uh, the Christmas Eve, it's such a great time. Um, and then also, um, you know, church at home, uh, while the ministry team's taking the day off, I'll still be preaching, but whatever. Um, you're, some of you might be wondering, how do they do that? Like, well, we pre-recorded, right? So it will be pre-recorded, and, uh, and we'll have it for you, and it's going to be awesome. And the great thing is, on that Sunday, we still have full children's ministry. You just have to do it. All right? It's at home. You just got to minister to your own children. Think about that. Novel concept. But, um, yeah, some of you just drop them off and come in here, and you're like, you know, I have children. Um, yeah, try ministering to them. That'd be great. Um, turning your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're in a great series entitled The Soapbox Series, uh, in which we've been talking about the Sermon on the Mount. If anybody wants some notes, we got some notes coming right now. And um, if you, you can do the digital ones on our app as well. Uh, we'll have verses on the screen for you. Um, a great way to never forget your Bible is to download it on your phone. If you have the Bible downloaded on your phone, just lift your phone up in the air, wave it around like you just, yep, some of you. How many of you guys got the old school paper, paper version? <laughs> yeah, awesome. Um, get a Bible, use it, it's great. Um, I love what Pastor Cody did this morning. Um, just taking a moment, really sensing the presence of God and just saying, hey, I'm gonna give an invitation. If you've never met Jesus, we wanna introduce you to him. And um, I love that. Um, I've, I've been meditating this morning on 2 Corinthians 5.17 um, that says, when we come to Christ, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become brand new. Think about that for a minute. When we come to Christ, old things, everything in your life, it, it's, it, it's all gone and everything is made brand new. New, like it's like it's like the greatest change up ever, um, and so I want to just I just want you to know um, if you've never said yes to Jesus or maybe you just did when Pastor Cody was giving that invitation, I want you to know something. When you truly live a life in Christ, uh, man, it's brand new. It's brand new. I, I, I've shared this before. I coach basketball. I love basketball. Been playing basketball since I was like like four or five years old, um, and so you get a lot of basketball analogies, uh, which I believe is godly, by the way. Um, you know, Pastor Cody talking about his son playing baseball, and the only thing I can do in that moment is just pray <laughs> that they would change to a godly sport, but it's okay. Um, and uh, one of the things coaching basketball I've, I've had to learn is what, makes, uh, what, makes a, uh, what separates a good coach from a great coach um, is a great coach knows how to make in-game adjustments. Like when the game isn't going the way you thought it was going to go, um, that you can call the timeout and, and set up a different strategy, make, a, make, a, make an adjustment for the moment, what you're going through, and then and, and have a great outcome. That's what separates good coaches from great coaches. I want you to know something. The greatest coach ever in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knows how to make in-game adjustments. We just have to surrender to him and to the process and listen to his voice and do what he says to do. And I'm telling you right now, no matter what you're going through, man, it can change in an instant. It can change, and so much so that Lamentations 3.23 says this, that his mercies are new every morning. Every day when you wake up, he's got a game plan for your life. Do you believe that? Every day when all you got to surrender to it, let his mercy just, just run and rule in, in through your life. And I'm telling you, man, like in the moment. And so I don't know who needs to hear that this morning. Um, but just know this, that whatever you're going through yesterday, you don't have to go through today. Whatever pressures you're dealing with yesterday, you don't have to deal with today. Whatever depression you were dealing with yesterday, you don't have to deal with today. Whatever, whatever pain you were dealing with yesterday, you don't have to deal with today. Are you with me? It, it's new. It's fresh. Today is a brand new day, and he's got you, and he's making some in-game adjustments. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Has nothing to do with my message. You're in Matthew chapter 6. We are talking about the Sermon on the Mount, arguably the greatest sermon ever preached because it's preached by none other than Jesus himself. As we mentioned uh, last week, um, this sermon that Jesus preached, um, although it's recorded in this setting, probably isn't the only time that Jesus preached it. Um, that he, he probably, everywhere he went, he taught this message because the way he's teaching is he's teaching about his kingdom. 
He's teaching about this new way of life that I just referenced. He's, he's telling people, hey, here's what this looks like. This is what this is all about. Um, this is how you operate in that. And, and here's the life transformation that, that, that takes place. And so this is probably something that Jesus talked about, about often. And the reason it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because he's positioned himself in this hillside in such a way um, that the multitudes, the Bible said, that are there can hear him. Up until this point, Jesus has been going after some things in the heart of the people. And that's the undertone of the whole entire Sermon on the Mount, that he's dealing with the heart of humanity. He's dealing with the heart of people. He's not trying to change outward behavior. He's trying to change the heart of a person so then the outward behavior will change. But he's going after the heart. He's made statements to this point that you've heard it said that Man, it's a sin to commit adultery, but I say to you, even if you look at a person with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. And he makes these big statements that they would recognize and they would know and they would agree with, but then he would take it one further and he'd say, but I, Jesus, say to you actually this, because once again, he's going after the heart. Matthew chapter 6, as we began to tackle it last week, um, Jesus makes this statement. He says, hey, don't be like, don't be like the hypocrites. And he makes that statement several times that we're going to look at over the next several weeks. Don't be like a hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? It's, it's an actor um, that, that, is, that has come under a different character. Okay? That's what it means. The word hypocrite is literally someone that's taken on a different character and they're acting this thing out, meaning they're, they're a faker, they're a poser. That's not really who they are. And Jesus says, hey, I don't want you to be like that. I don't want you to be like a hypocrite. I want you to have authentic, genuine faith. So we talked a little bit about that last week, that our authentic, genuine faith and how that lives out. And here's what we've realized here at Canvas Church, that none of us are perfect. That there's no one sitting in this room that's perfect, but our authentic, genuine faith recognizes our imperfection, but still pursues the one that's perfect, and that's Jesus. And so we're going after him, and there's this authentic, don't, don't be a hypocrite. And then Jesus begins to give three specific uh, spiritual practices to demonstrate what he's talking about. The first one we talked about last week was giving. Don't be a hypocrite in your giving. And we talked about that. The next one today that we see in 5 through 15 is don't be a hypocrite when it comes to your prayer life. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be a faker, okay? Don't be a poser. Who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. So Jesus here is not bashing prayer. What he's doing is he's going after the way that their prayer life has been going. And according to this, their prayer life has been about a public display rather than a conversation with God. And he says, hey, I don't want you to do that. Those people are praying so that they can be heard, so they can be seen, so that they can feel good about themselves, but that's not the way I want you to pray. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will get. What's the reward? Being recognized and being noticed. That's the only reward they'll receive. But here's what I want you to do. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Now, I want us to understand something. Uh, Jesus is not saying that that's the only way to pray. He's not saying, hey, anytime you pray, I want you to go shut the door and pray in private. What he's doing is he's going to an extreme to try to prove the point. That, hey, you've been, you've been praying in public places. They prayed five times a day. And at the hour of prayer, uh, many of them were making sure they were in public so that they could be heard. And Jesus is saying, hold on, you've got this thing wrong. This is not, so, so to, to, to prove this thing, to go to extreme, I want you to just go and hide yourself away and pray in private, okay? And pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. How many of you guys want the reward of God? I want the reward of God. I don't want the reward of men. When you pray, verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. And so here's what they would do. They would have a list of prayers. Maybe they'd be written down. Maybe they had them memorized. But when they would go to prayer, they would simply just recite these prayers. 
They weren't engaging a conversation with God. They, 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 there was no thought put into it. It was just a recital. And, and they thought by continually reciting these prayers that they would be heard and they would be answered. And Jesus is saying, hold on a second. Um, that's, that's not what we want here. That's not what's going on here. Instead, now listen to it, verse 9, pray like this. Now before I read this next part, pray like this, I want you to hear those first words I just said, pray like this. He doesn't say, pray this. He's not going to give them something else to recite. He just got done saying, hey, I don't want you to have a recital prayer. I want you to pray like this. What Jesus is doing is he's going to go in and give them the model of prayer. In other words, here's the concept. Here's what, we're, here's what prayer is, is doing. Here's what prayer is about. It wasn't something for them to repeat. Unfortunately, many of them still missed it, the part where he said, don't recite these things. And they just added this as another part of their prayer and recited these things. Thus, it's become known as the Lord's Prayer. But as I read through it, I just want to demonstrate to you that this isn't something to be repeated. This is a model, and it, it's something that we look at, and then we pray through. Let me, let, let's talk about it. It says this. Our Father in heaven. Now, I just want to stop right there. Jesus immediately changes things, and we're going to look at it today. Jesus immediately sets the tone for which we're praying. We're not praying to a distant God. We're praying, and it's very, very personal, and it's very real, and it's very close to us. I want you to pray, our Father. May your name be kept holy. Okay, here's the first part. What is, what's happening there? The Bible says that we ought to enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. What Jesus is saying here, hey, when you go and you're praying to your Father who is in heaven, I want you to enter that place with the understanding that, man, you're worshiping him, you're praising him. He's, he's a holy God and hold him in reverence, okay? He's not, this isn't to be something repeated. This is more like, hey, this is how we come to him. Verse 10, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here he shows us the focus of prayer. The focus of our prayer is not on us. The focus of our prayer is on him and on his kingdom come and his will be done. And we're to pray that. I think too oftentimes, for those of us that are Christ followers, uh, when we do pray, we go in with the perspective of, hey, here's all the stuff that's happened in my life, and here's the will that I have for my life that I'd really like to see done. Am I the only one that's prayed that way? Pastor, you prayed that way? Yes, I have prayed that way. You know? And too oftentimes, I think we come with our list of a, a will, an idea, here's, here's God, here's some things I'd like accomplished. But God, Jesus is saying, hold on, when you go to him, no, we, we want to align ourselves with his will. So when we pray his kingdom come, we're praying his kingdom power, his kingdom purpose, his kingdom provision, his kingdom salvation, his kingdom love, his kingdom mercy, his kingdom grace, his kingdom hope, his kingdom healing. We go on and on, right? His kingdom is huge, and his kingdom is awesome, and his kingdom is full of everything we, we need, okay? We're praying his kingdom come as it is in heaven. And then verse 11, give us today the food we need. What is that? That's the prayer for provision. That's really a prayer of surrender when you look at it. We're going to him saying, God, we trust you for everything we need. Whatever you have for me, I need that. So God, provide for me. It's really, it's really not even a prayer for provision. It's really a prayer of surrender. I recognize that I have nothing if we're not for God. I'm surrendering to him. And then it says this. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. What's that? That's the prayer of repentance. That every time we come to him, we need to make sure we take time to allow him to search our hearts. God, search me. Seek me. Find any wicked way in me and remove it. God, I want to make sure I'm on the path with you. God, would you forgive me my sins? Forgive me my, my sins. As we continue to walk out, forgiveness towards others. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. What is that? That's the prayer of protection and being full of the power of the Holy Spirit. God, protect us. Keep us. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins either. I want to talk to you in the next few moments about prayer. God, we thank you for your word today.
God, we thank you that your word is awesome. And God, I pray, Lord, in the next few minutes that these verses that we read together today would come to life to us. God, that they would mean something to us, that we would understand it. Lord, I pray that you would help me, God, articulate the idea of prayer today in a way that God is, is helpful, uh, God is meaningful, God changes us, and that we would step in to a new dialogue with you and have a great prayer life. So Lord, I pray that you'd help me now in this, this time that we have, create an environment for people to discover your son Jesus, know your incredible love, and realize the awesome plan that you have for them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. One thing I've learned, um, and I think maybe, uh, maybe just in the last couple of years, and maybe you've learned it quicker than me, but um, there is oftentimes um, just um, between what our behavior and our belief, there's a big contrast between the two. There's a big, there's a big gap between the two. Like what I believe about something and how I behave sometimes don't, don't line up. I mean, you could take simple things. I don't know why this one came to me, but I was thinking about it. Um, I've only been in a helicopter one time in my whole, Amy, been, been in a helicopter before? Hey, only been in one one time my whole entire life. Um, but um, my behavior and my belief didn't line up. Um, what, maybe if you've never been in a helicopter, you've at least seen movies or shows, uh, what do people do when they walk up to the helicopter? They, everybody knows, they duck. Why do you duck? Have you ever been hit by a propeller before? I mean, when's the last, I mean, I'm probably the closest one to the propeller, right? Like, I'm in 6'6". Six, six. But I mean, you got like five, five dudes, like, they're going like, like what are you doing, bro? Like, they're, you, I'd have to put you on my shoulders and you still wouldn't hit it, right? Like, but what is that? Our, 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 our belief, do I really believe that my head's going to hit that? No. But my behavior doesn't line up with what, what I believe. And I think so oftentimes that's true in our, in, our, in our walk with Jesus. Let me ask you this question. For those of us that are in a relationship with Jesus and you've been walking through him, how many believe that prayer is powerful? Right? Like how many believe that prayer changes things? Right? Let me ask you this. How's your prayer life? See, we, we believe prayer is powerful. We believe prayer changes things. But then let's, what, is, our, is our behavior lining up with that? Is the first thing we do when we encounter an issue or a problem or a circumstance in our life, is the first thing we do pray about it or do we complain about it? Ooh, it got quiet in this charismatic church. They stopped and like, is that a trick question? I mean, think about it. I mean, I think so oftentimes our first, listen, our first reaction to people, to circumstances, and things aren't going the way I thought they would go, and the way I had it planned out, and this relationship, or, or whatever it is, this job, this setting, this thing, man, man, you, what's our first reaction? Is our first reaction ask Christ followers to pray? We said we believe prayer is powerful. We said we believe that prayer changes things. But if I'm honest, which is a good thing for a pastor to be, I tend to complain about things. Am I the only one? I'll text my complaint. If I'm really upset, I will, I will social media my complaint. I see some people right now like, oh, pastor's been following me on social media. Yeah. Right? Like, we'll, we'll complain. I might talk to some of you on a Sunday and you complain and I pray for you. Next Sunday, you're back here complaining. But I'm just going to be honest with you. I've never met one person in my whole entire life that saw change in the circumstance because they complained about it. Still haven't met that person. Oh, man, the other day, yeah, this happened, and I complained for an hour, and oh, my gosh. Everything changed. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Complaining changes nothing. But prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. Prayer changes everything. I'm telling you right now, prayer is powerful. Prayer, I've seen prayer change my heart. That's a good place to start, right? I've seen prayer change other people's hearts. I've seen prayer change circumstances. I've, I've, literally, I've, I've literally prayed for things that were happening in real time. 
Like when my brother was pronounced practically dead, 8% chance to live, pronounced dead on a scene of an accident. And we got people praying. And he was living. And he lived a great life. I've seen, I've seen my oldest daughter break her arm. You were there. And we're like, this is broken. Pastor, how'd you know it was broken? Because there was a you. There was like, arms don't bend that way. And it's broken. And we start praying. And by the time she gets to the hospital, that you's gone. She answered prayers. Prayer is powerful. Um, I've been convicted over and over again in my life. And I, I don't mean just like as a Christ follower. I, I mean, as a pastor. I've seen like God answer prayers, and then the next time something comes around, I'll doubt. Am I the only one? Or maybe sometimes my faith will be greater for somebody else. I'll pray for them, but I don't know if I'll pray for me. Prayer is powerful. I remember being reminded what, how powerful prayer was uh, many years ago. My daughters were younger, and uh, my dad had just passed away uh, about three months earlier. And so my mom and dad had been married just shy of 51 years when my dad passed away. And uh, my mom, shortly after, was thinking, well, like, what, what am I going to do with my life now? She was like 75 years old, and she's like, what am I going to do with my life now? She's like, I have a lot of life left to live. Come on, somebody. I love that. When somebody's 75, it's like, I got a lot of life left to live. She goes, what am I going to do? She goes, I think I'm going to move down to San Diego, and I'm going to help the church. And so she came down for a visit about three months after my dad passed away, and so my daughters were super excited. They were younger. I don't know, maybe, I don't even know how well, I guess, I guess 10, 12 years ago now. 12, 13 years ago, so however old they would have been, younger. And they had their favorite things they loved to do. One of them was to go to Mission Bay. Uh, not Mission Beach, where the waves are nice, but Mission Bay, where the water is stagnant and gross. And <laughs> just, it just sits there and rises and with the tide. And it's just like, ugh. But they liked it. They had a special name for it called No Wave Beach. No wave. The reason they called it No Wave Beach is because there are no waves. So they wanted to take grandma there, and so we, we load her up, we go, and they're having a blast. And there's my mom, 75 years old. She's swimming out this little island thing with them, building sandcastles, just having a great time uh, with her grand, her two favorite grandkids. Um, and uh, just having a blast. I just had to throw that in there. Bigger Christmas presents, all right. And so we load everything up, and we're driving back uh, to where we live. And as we pull up, all of a sudden I hear my mom gasp. <gasps> and i got to be honest with you. I mean, 75 is not old, but there is a certain age you hit. When you hear those noises, you're like, everything okay? Check for pulse. We're good, right? So after I checked for pulse, I will just, she was fine. I was like, Mom, what's up? And she looked down, and she goes, I lost my wedding ring. 51 years of marriage. Dad just passed away three months ago. And she lost her wedding ring. And I immediately felt a pinch in my side. It was a physical pinch. It was my wife. And now if you've been married for any amount of time, uh, and if you're not married yet, take notes on this. Um, you have signals that you send your spouse. Like when you're at dinner and you get kicked underneath the table. One kick is stop talking about that, shut up. Two kicks is, you're just talking way too much, let somebody else speak. Three kicks is, it's time to go, right? Like you just have, you just know. And so when I got pinched, I knew what that meant. That pinch meant you're going to go back and look for that ring. And so we get inside, and I go into the bed, we get everything packed, go into the bedroom, my wife looks at me and goes, you're going back. And I said, yes, I am, dear. I learned a long time ago the happiness in marriage is if you can learn these words, yes, dear. It changes everything. Even if you don't actually do it, just yes, dear. Right. You're going to clean out the garage? Yes, dear. Keep watching football. No, just kidding. Um, and so I drive back. Uh, I drive back to the bay. And the whole entire time, I'm telling you, this faith-filled pastor knew he was not going to find that ring. I'm literally complaining the whole time I'm driving back. Like, this is the dumbest thing ever. How in the world am I going to find this ring? She's been in the water. She's been making sandcastles. We've been on the beach. Like the, the tide's coming in and out. There's no way I'm going to find this ring. 
And I'm complaining all the time. So I get in the water, and what am I doing? I'm complaining. And I complain, I complain, I complain, and guess what? I don't find the ring. And get back to the house, and um, uh, my wife looks at me and goes, did you find it? And I was like, no, I didn't find it. Like, you actually thought I was going to find it? Like, you know, like, no, I didn't find it. And she says, okay, you're going back tomorrow morning. <laughs> yes, dear. You know, like, of course I am. I knew that. That's, that's the one thing I was thinking the whole entire time I was driving back. Because I get to go back tomorrow, you know, like, perfect. Great, glad we're on the same page. And so, um, so I get up early in the morning, and, um, and I, you know, I'm going to go look in the water. I have no goggles. Um, but I remember my daughters have some goggles. Now, remind you, they're like 9 and 10 or maybe 8 and whatever. And so they don't fit real well, but they work. And so I go get these little itty-bitty goggles, and I head out there. And I look around because I'm like, I'm going to look like an idiot in these little bitty goggles at like 6 in the morning. I'm freezing. And I look around, and there's joggers going by, and they're looking at me as I'm going in there. And they're like, stay weird, San Diego. You know, like, <laughs> all right. And so, uh, so I, you know, I, I look all over where we were sitting. I go over to the little beach here. I dig through the sand. I can't find it. So I put the little goggles on, 6'6", six, six, little bitty goggles. Water's up to here. I'm, like, walking around like this, like, just. And the whole entire time, I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. I'm not going to find it. So I come up out of the water. And I'm about to give up. And I said, man, this is so dumb. And I, I don't know, I can't say it was an audible voice, but internal, I heard the voice say, uh, maybe if you'd pray about it rather than complain about it, you'd find it. I'm like, well, whatever. And so I pray. I said, fine. I hadn't prayed about it. I said, Lord, would you please help me find this ring? Because without you, I'm never going to find it. And the voice said, turn left, take three steps, and look down. So I take three steps, I bury my face in the water, and there's the ring right there in the water. And so I reach down, and I get, I'm like, yeah! And then I look around, and it's like there's all the people looking at me, like, yep. And I, I pulled it out of the water kind of like I knew I was going to find it all along. Of course I was. And I get home, and I walk in, and there's my mom, and I'm, I'm, she's standing there with this, like, look on her face. And I open up my hand, and she literally practically faints into my arms. But listen to me. I was complaining the whole entire time, and nothing changed. But the minute I surrendered to him in prayer, everything changed. Everything changed. In this passage, Jesus is not bashing prayer. He's actually trying to get the people back to the heart, the model, the mode of prayer. And so he looks at them and says, man, you, look, guys, you've been doing this thing wrong. You've been praying to get attention in, for yourself. You've been praying to, to maybe look more righteous. You've been praying to try to get the praise of man, but that's wrong. No, I, I, the conversation, and listen to me, that whole recital of things, like when you're, you're just reciting things, that does nothing. Because you got to know you're going to your, your father, and he dismantles their understanding of prayer, and he says this. The first thing he says is, when you pray, say, our father. He didn't say, hey, when you pray, say, Yahweh. He didn't say, when you pray, say, El Shaddai. He didn't say, when you pray, say, Elohim. He brought it down and simplified it and said, when you pray, I'm going to use a concept you can understand. I want it to be intimate. I want it to be personal. When you pray, say, our Father. And in that moment, it changed everything. I'm no longer praying to a God that's far off, to a God whose name I'm not even allowed to say or to spell. I am praying to my Father who loves me, who cares about me, who treats me like a son and a daughter, our father. So when you go to your father, don't go with a list that you're reciting. Listen to me, how weird would it be if every time you went to your dad, you had like six different scripts, and that's all you ever said to him? Hey, dad, you're awesome. Nice fit today. Thank you. Um, can I have some money? You know what I mean? Like... That's a teenage prayer right there, right? Like, Dad, you're awesome. Like, your faith. Hey, you got some money? Um, how weird would that be? That, that's just strange, right? You would never go to your dad. And some parents are sitting there like, actually, they kind of do. You know, like, 
Um, but you'd never go to your dad that way and just have these six things that you repeated over and over again. And Jesus is saying, hey, when you go to, go to your father, what do you have? You have a conversation. You have a dialogue. It's, 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 it's personal. It's, it's intimate. And, and you open up your heart. And you, you talk about stuff. But not only does he just decimate their idea of prayer with that, he also decimates it with what he talks about. He says, by the way, prayer ain't about you. Here's what I want you to pray. I want you to pray, his kingdom come, his will be done. Not pray your plans prevail. Not pray your, your will be accomplished. No, prayer, prayer isn't, a, listen, prayer is not about us getting on the right side of God. Right, too many of us pray when we've blown it because we feel guilty. And yes, that guilt works inside of us, right, and pushes us to that place where we confess our sins to him and he's faithful and just to can, uh, forgive us our sins. But prayer isn't for us to get on the right side of God and then we get on the right side of God, okay, we cool now and we no longer have a conversation. Prayer is also not me going to him getting what I want. Prayer is about surrender. Prayer is about a conversation. Prayer is about, man, I, you know what? I, when I go to my dad, I would ask him for advice because I realize he's lived a lot more life than I have. He's a lot smarter than me. He got some things figured out. He had married for 51 years. I wanted to go to my dad for some marriage advice. Hey, he's got a house. He's got a job. I want to go to my dad for some financial advice. Hey, he's got, you know, four kids. Three of them are okay. One of them's awesome. I, I want to go to <laughs> the awesome one lives in Astoria. I don't know, but um, I want to go to my dad for some parenting advice, right? Like, I want to go there, and I want to I hear what he has to say. When I go to my heavenly father, can I tell you something? He's been around for a long time. He's got, he's got some credible plans for your life. Man, his mercies are new every morning. Man, his faithfulness endures to all generations. Man, I mean, I want, I want to go there. And I want to have a conversation and say, yo, God, what's your will for my life? Honestly, when's the last time, you, when's the last time when you're struggling and you're going through your will, your plans, that you went and said, maybe these aren't his plans for my life. And you just went and said, yo, God, what do you have planned for me? Could you just give me a sneak peek? I want to make sure I'm going the, I want to make sure I'm going the direction you want me to go. I want to make sure I'm accomplishing the plans you want me to accomplish. I'm making sure, I want to make sure I'm living the life I'm supposed to live for you and your glory and your honor and for your kingdom. And so he just dismantles their idea of prayer and says, no, it's not about you getting on the right side. It's not about you getting what you want. It's about surrender. I just wrote down a few thoughts. Already talked a little bit about the model of prayer, but he doesn't just give the model of prayer. He kind of gives the mode of prayer. So let me just talk about the mode of prayer real quick, and we'll wrap it up. You getting anything out of it? Come on. He's good. Uh, number one, pray regularly. Pray regularly. Like, pray often. Like, maybe all the time. Pray, look, verse 5, 6, and 7 presuppose this idea. When you pray. When you pray, when you pray. What's it saying? Pray. Regularly. Often. All the time. In Scripture, there's like 650 different prayers in Scripture. Why? Because we ought to be praying. We, we ought to pray. The, the great apostle put it this way in First Thessalonians 5. Pray Without ceasing. How do I get there? I mean, that's what he said. Hey, church in Thessalonica, here's what you ought to be doing. You ought to pray without ceasing. Like constant. Well, it goes back to me and my understanding. Here's what helped me out. It goes back to my understanding of our father. Listen, when, when I talk to my dad about everything and anything. The good, the bad, and the ugly of life. 
My, my dad almost went to bat for me like at a basketball game when people in the crowd were chanting bad things about me. Like, unbelievable. My dad, like, almost got in a fight at a game. I was like, man, that's my dad. I mean, granted, he was a full-grown man, and they were teenagers, but I mean, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, he had my back. What can I say, you know? Um, but I used to have conversations with my dad, like, and here's the thing. Uh, it was ongoing. Like, like when I, we started the church, Monday morning, my first phone call was to my dad. How's life, dad? How you doing? Hey, Ben, how was church yesterday? We'd, we'd just talk, and then the next month, we'd pick it up where we left off. We'd just talk, ongoing. I didn't always, it wasn't like every conversation I had with him was super deep. Right? Yes, we had the deep ones too. But I mean, I didn't just go to him when I had super deep things. We had an ongoing, continual, and I think that's how you get to that place of pray without ceasing. It's just continually having a conversation. You can pick up the conversation with God where you left off. And you get to that place where, man, we just pick up. Now, I, talk, I talk with God when I'm driving. It's a great time, especially if you're on the 78, you know. Because you ain't going anywhere fast. Any time of the day, anywhere, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what day of the week is, what time. You're on the 78, you know you're going to be stopped. I was, I was there like 12 o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday. I'm like, what are you people doing? Like, stay home. Take a day off. Get off the road. I'm trying to get somewhere. You know, like, pray. Just take some time, right? Like, I mean, you could pray. You could pick up doing yard work. Right? Whatever it might be, you know, just, just a continual dialogue. I love what the great revivalist Smith Wigglesworth said. He said this. He said, I don't often spend more than a half an hour in prayer at one time. But I never go more than a half an hour without praying. Just, just ongoing, continual prayer about everything and anything. The good, the bad, the ugly, the mundane, the big hills, the small valleys. Just pray. I think that's one thing I learned and. Um, and early on in my, my life was because I had parents that prayed. I may have shared this with you before, but I mean, every morning when I got up, I knew exactly where my dad was going to be. He was going to be kneeling at that chair with his Bible open, reading the Bible and praying. And then I went to a great church that taught me how to pray. Um, so much so, I mean, we, we pray about everything and anything. Just pray regularly. Pray. Remember, Jesus not only you know, taught this, he actually modeled it. In uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says this, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Often for prayer. How many of you think that if the Son of God needed to go and pray often, y'all need to go pray often? Right? I just pray regularly. Here's another one. Uh, pray sincerely. Pray sincerely. He says this, hey, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the actors on a stage just mod, like, like you're, you're faking it. Don't, 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 don't be that person. I want, I want sincerity. And, and to prove this point of sincerity, here's what I want you to do. I, I don't even want you to pray in public. I don't want you to pray in public. I don't want you, because here's what happened, happened with them is ultimately as they're praying in public, their prayer was no longer directed at God. It was directed at people and at themselves. They would pray in such a way that they looked like a status, or they would, they would pray out loud. Let's be honest, how many of you guys ever prayed in a way, like you're, you're sitting down there and praying, Lord, I just pray for my wife right now, and you're praying together. Lord, I just pray for my wife right now. God, that she would just change her opinion on whether or not I should get a motorcycle. God, I know that I already have one, but God, you know that it's your will that every man have two or three. So, who are you praying to right there? Right? I mean, that probably is a pretty godly prayer. But, I mean, who are you praying to? I mean, you know, we're, we're praying to him. Sometimes we pray so that people hear it so that they may be changed. <laughs> Some of you laughing because you're like, oh, that's my prayer life, you know? You know? Get up in the morning, bow by your bed while your spouse is still sleeping. Pray loud enough, right? Like they. Well, he, wants, he wants sincerity in prayer. 
So sincerity means that it's focused on God, not on you and not on others. Luke chapter 18, verse 9 says this. Then Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people. <laughs> Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, and I'm certainly not like that tax collector over there. <laughs> I fast twice a week, and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, Oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. How's your prayer life? Lastly, um, Pray with simplicity. Man, I can't overstate that one. Worship team, you can come on up. We're going to wrap this thing up. Pray with simplicity. I already referenced the idea, you know, that Jesus puts forth here that we're praying to our Father. And here's the thing, whether you had a good dad, because I know that some people might have a hard time wrapping their mind around a, a father. But here's the thing I've come to realize is that whether you had a good dad or a bad dad, all of us have a concept of what a good dad looks like whether it be because of a friend, a relative, we've seen it, right? We've seen what a good dad looks like. And so when Jesus says, pray our father, he's presupposing the idea of a good dad. And a good dad listens. A good dad answers and responds. The Bible says in Psalm 116 that he, our heavenly father, bends low to hear the prayers of us. God of the universe. God who created everything in it. He, when we pray, takes time to bend down low and to hear our prayers. Not complex. You say, Pastor, how do I, how do I have a simple prayer life? Just think about your, what kind of, how do you talk with your best friend? Do that. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. However you, just, 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 boom. Have that conversation. I've, I've talked, I mean, I, I talked, I, I would talk to my dad about everything. I take it to that filter. I talk to my dad about everything. So I talk to my God about everything. Because the reality is he knows everything anyway. He sees my whole entire life. He knows the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's a great thing. I mean, even with your best friend, you still got some hidden stuff. But with him, everything's exposed. He knows everything. So you can come to him, hey, you know what? Like, and he invites us into that, knowing all of our junk, knowing all of our stuff. But he just wants to hear you. He wants to hear your voice. For those of that, those of that have children, um, Y'all remember when they said their first word? And it's like, <sighs> and, and sometimes it's like they didn't actually, everyone else was standing around like they said nothing. It's like, no, 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 they said, Daddy, you're the best. You know, like, no, that's not. But you hear their first words, and you're like, <sighs> your heart as a parent. It's just like, oh my gosh. That's how God feels every time you open your voice and pray. Oh my word. There's their voice. I hear their voice. There's the relationship. They're learning, they're growing. Make it simple. Make it simple. Here's, here's, here's a real simple idea. Go to him believing that he's actually going to hear an answer 
Be childlike. I remember when my kids were little, they'd come to me. They'd come to me, ask me for anything. They just believed it was going to happen. Right? Come like that. It's going to happen. Why are you worrying about tomorrow? Who by worrying can add one cubit to their stature? Why are you complaining about something you have no control over? When the God in the universe has control over everything and you have access to him, he's your father. Why are you grumbling? Why are you complaining? Why are you worrying? Why are you fretting? Why are you worried about your future? Why are you worried about tomorrow? Why are you worried about next year? Why are you walking in anxiety? Go to your father. He knows your life past, present, and future. He knows, he knows, he knows the joys of your heart. He knows your deepest desires. He knows your concerns. He knows, he knows what gives you life. He knows, he knows, he knows the plans that you have. Just go to him. Have the conversation. We believe prayer is powerful. We believe prayer changes everything. How's your prayer life? We believe prayer will change our heart. We believe prayer will change somebody else's heart. We believe prayer can change the circumstances that surround whatever we're walking through. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? As we go into 2024, I wanna encourage you. Make your prayer life a priority. Make your conversation with God essential daily. Let me, let me just make it simple for you. How many would say you have 15 minutes every day that you could spare? And everyone's hands should be going up. Just pause Netflix for a moment, right? Put your phone down, right? Set your alarm clock 15 minutes earlier. Go to bed 15 minutes later. Take the 78 you'll have all day. Right? If you have 15 minutes, this is, what, this is my encouragement as you go into 2024. Because I want to make this simple for you. Take five minutes every day and read your Bible. Just do that. Like, like, wherever, like if you're a slow reader and you got through three verses, awesome. Five minutes, just five minutes. Set an alarm. Five minutes, I'm just going to read the Bible. And then five minutes, worship. Worship. Put some worship music on. Get the band's number. Call them. Hey, guys. Can you sing a song? You're on speakerphone. Five minutes and just worship. And then take five minutes and converse with him. And I guarantee you by the end of 2024, those 15 minutes would have become 45 minutes, would have become an hour, would have become an hour and a half, would have become pray without ceasing. But if you don't make a plan, it'll never happen. If you don't make a plan, it'll never happen. We have some awesome opportunities as we enter 2024. Uh, we, have, we have seven days of prayer and fasting. We'll be talking about the fasting portion because it's the next uh, in here um, as a Sermon on the Mount. We'll be talking about that on the 31st, not next, um, not on Christmas. I just feel like we couldn't talk about fasting on Christmas Eve. I just, so we'll talk about it the week after. Um, and we're, so we're starting fasting on January 8th all the way to January 14th. And then we're going to conclude our seven days of prayer and fasting with our pursuit night, worshiping together. It's going to be awesome Sunday night. Somebody like, Pastor, why don't we start January 1st? Well, because I don't want to be fasting on my birthday. It's true. My birthday is January 5th. Just throwing it out there. Um, <laughs> did you like that? That's funny. Um, and I'll be 50. That's crazy. Man, I, used to, I remember I used to look at people that were 50 and be like, you old. Now I look at 50, I'm like, you good looking. You know, like, that's awesome. Um, and so I want to fast on my birthday. So we're going to fast on the 8th to the 14th. If you don't like it, you can start fasting on the 1st. I'm fine with that. Just don't invite me to do that with you. We're going to pray and fast together, and we're going to see God move in incredible ways. I believe that. Um, we pray every Sunday morning at 830. Right here, 8.30, it's about 8.45. We're seeking God together, okay? Jump in. Um, if you need, we don't, I think we gave uh, all of the rest of them out. I don't even know if I brought it up with me. Um, yeah, it's down there, but 
Um, we have a prayer guide that literally just takes you through the Lord's Prayer and shows you how you can pray. And so if you're stagnant or stuck in your prayer life, come see me. I'll, I'll find whatever we have left. I'll give it to you. And if not, I'll email you a digital one. Um, and it just helps, it helps you walk through the, the prayer and how you can engage in a conversation with, with God. But this is what I want to do. Why don't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for you today as, as we leave. And if you need prayer for anything, uh, we're going to open up this. Um, if you were earlier in the service, Pastor Cody was talking about giving your heart to Jesus. And you're like, man, I got more questions surrounding that. Now we're going to have some people as the pastors up here. We'll have some of our small group leaders up here. Love to talk with you about that. Uh, maybe you're here and you need a miracle. And you talk about answered prayers. Man, we saw cancers healed this year. We saw financial miracles take place. We saw creative miracles take place when people were unable to have children, and now they're having children. It's amazing. God answers prayers. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're going through, we'll pray for you. But let me just pray this over you today. Just close your eyes. Lord, I thank you so much for this church. God, I thank you for these people. God, I thank you for a people, Lord God, who are genuinely seeking you and looking to you as the author and finisher of their faith. God, I ask today that you would come and you would literally embrace them in this moment. God, you see the things that are weighing on their hearts. God, you know the concerns they have. Some of them are carrying around weights of health concerns. I pray that right now you would come and be their healer. God, some of them are carrying around anxiety. God, some of them are, are carrying around, Lord, things aren't working out the way I thought and I don't know what's going on. And, God, they're just, they're anxious. God, some of them, Lord, are worried about next year, the year after. God, whatever it might be, some of them are carrying around financial or family or relational concerns. God, I pray that today, that God, you would come and you'd show them how much you care about what's on their heart. Lord, I pray you would cover them. God, I pray number 6, 24, 26 over them. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for coming out today. I'm going to ask some of the pastors, some of the small group leaders, come on up. If you need prayer for anything today, come on up. We want to pray for you. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a fantastic week. Come back to one of our Christmas Eve services next week, 9, 10, 10 45, and 5. God bless. Have an amazing week.